this is Ignite. So today we're going to continue um, from where we stopped last week. Um, for the past four weeks now, we've been looking at um, the expression of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. Um, the Holy Spirit is a third person in Trinity, right? First um, John 5, 7 tells us um, that we, we serve one God, but in three persons, right? So it says, for there, is, there are three, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is no, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So we serve one God, but in three persons, right? And one of the expressions of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is one as well, so we don't have you know, many different types of Holy Spirit. We have one Holy Spirit in different expressions. And um, the way we explained it is, um, you know, it applies to everyone, right? You know, um, you function in different capacity. So you're here, you're a friend to somebody, you're somebody's son, right? Um, you know, um, at work, you, 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 you function in a different capacity. Still one person, but different expression. So same as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one, um, but with different um, manifestations, different expressions. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 4 to 6 tells us that there is one body and one spirit. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So the Holy Spirit is one, but we have different expressions of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. It's the spirit of counsel. Is the spirit of the fear of God, right? Those are just, you know, a few expressions of the Holy Spirit. And we've been, you know, looking at the spirit of truth um, for the past few weeks. John 16, 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, so talking about the Holy Spirit, has come, it will guide you into all truth. So talking about you and I, the Holy Spirit the function, the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide you and I into all truth. It will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, it will speak. And it will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and we establish that the reason why you and I need the Holy Spirit, and we cannot do without the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is because the world that we live in right now is filled with all sorts of crazy conspiracy theories, half-truths, deception of the enemy, everywhere you turn to, right? And, you know, we said the church is not exempt from that. In fact, um, you know, Jesus told us that the devil actually wants to deceive the elect, the church. So we have to be careful. We have to be on guard. We need to engage the spirit of truth. Deception is the most powerful weapon of the enemy against the human race. Right, you know, back to uh, dating back to the Garden of Eden, right? Um, the devil deceived Eve and she took a wrong action, right? And as a result of that, you know, man fell, man was separated from God. Sin came into the world. And the only defense you and I have against the deception of the enemy is the spirit of truth, engaging the spirit of truth and. The spirit of truth helps us to test all things. Um, First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 5.21, message translation says, on the other hand, don't be gullible. So it's personal. Don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what is good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. So you and I have the responsibility to test everything, right? In God, we trust Everything else we verify, right? So, two weeks ago, we started looking at, you know, what are some of these tests that the Holy Spirit can help us to administer in our personal lives so we don't fall prey to the deception of Satan, right? And we started looking at the seven tests against deception, the seven tests that you and I can apply in our lives that would protect us from being deceived by the enemy. The first one we looked at was the test of history. The test of history, we said background information is very important in revealing trends and patterns of behavior. 
So when you and I want to get into any major relationship with any entity, be it social, professional, romantic, whatever, you know, um, um, engagement or whatever commitment you're getting into, you need to apply the test of history. You need to find out who are you dealing with? Where did they start from? How did they get to where they are today? Is their background, like, can you verify it from a third party independently? Are they, you know, are they going up? Are they going down? If you're investing in a company, you need to do like a, your due diligence to find out exactly you know, where they've been in the past couple of years. Um, and that will tell you if you know, they're on an upward trajectory or they're coming down, right? So we need to apply the test of history. Now, if you're dating somebody, you need to ask questions. Right, you know, um, how did you grow up? What's your relationship like with your family? Um, what school did you go? So if somebody tells you, oh, I went to so-and-so high school, and you talk to like, you know, three or four people that went to the same high school, the same set, and they don't know about this person, and you ask like, oh, how come nobody knows about you? You're like, oh yeah, I'm just a very quiet person. That's very suspicious, right? So you need to check. You need to know at the very minimum so it can prepare you. Even if you decide to go ahead, you need to equip yourself with that knowledge so you know what you're getting into. That is what the test of history helps us to do. And we said it does not have to be mysterious or mystical to be spiritual. And we use the example of Jesus, right? In Matthew 13, from verse 54 to 56, right? It says, when he had come to his own town, he taught them in the synagogue. So they were astonished, right? They were amazed at the level of wisdom that Jesus Christ was operating in. And they asked the questions. He said, well, you and I should be asking questions, right? He says, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works from? The response was, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother James, Jose, Simon, and Judas? Right? So they could trace him back. Is they could verify his background. And um, we also looked at the test. The second one is the test of time. The test of time. Patience forces inordinate ambitions to reveal itself. So you and I cannot be in a haste, especially when it's a major decision. You're making a major purchase, um, you're making a decision on you know a life partner, hopefully. Your life partner is not putting an ultimatum to like, oh yeah, you have to say yes by so-and-so time, right? Um, but you have to take the time you need. If you're not sure, ask other people to check it. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Don't be in a rush, right? Um, you and I cannot afford to make decisions based on vibes, right? Like, you know, I just, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. No, your destiny is too important for you to just make decisions just based on how you feel. You have to engage the spirit of truth to help you to discern, is this the right opportunity for me? Not every door that will open to you is from God. Right? Not every door. Um, the devil knows that you have a great destiny. You have a wonderful future with a happy ending. And it's going to try you know, to offer you cheap counterfeits so that he can get you to abort the original plan of God for your life. He did it with Jesus Christ as well, so you and I will not be the first. Jesus Christ came to the earth, right? He came to die, to redeem us, right? To take back the authority that Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden. But what did Satan do? He said, you don't have to go through that. You don't have to die on the cross. All you just need to do is bow down and worship me, and I will give you everything. Right? So he tried to offer him an alternative, but that, that was not a breakthrough. Jesus Christ didn't say, oh yeah, thank God, like, I don't have to die again, I'll just take that. No. So you and I need to be very careful, right? Time reveals who is behind the door. So you need to take time, you know, to check it out, you need to take time to pray. Isaiah 28, verse 16, it says, therefore thus says the Lord, God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act in haste. If God, if that opportunity is from God and is, from, is for you, right, nobody can take it. So take the time you need. Take a step back. 
Think about it, right? If you're still unsure, talk to somebody about it. Seek the counsel that you need so that when you're making the decision, you're sure that you're making the right decision. And last week, we moved on um, to number three, which was the test of reason, right? The test of reason. And we said, we can be spiritual, but we have to be logical as well, right? We cannot afford to be living in denial. Um, the fact that it's spiritual doesn't mean it should be devoid of common sense, right? We, we, we have to engage our minds. Um, our minds don't become redundant the moment you give your life to Christ. Real spirituality requires us to use our minds. Real spirituality requires you and I to engage our minds. If anything, when you and I became Christians, our minds are actually enhanced because the Bible tells us that now we have the mind of Christ. So God is expecting us to think at a higher level, to think things through before we take action. 1 Corinthians 2.16, that's the scripture. It says, who can know the Lord's thought? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. And we said, when you stop thinking, you start thinking, right? When you stop thinking, you, you're stagnated. People can relate with you because you're set in your ways. You are rigid. You're not flexible. You're not open to what God wants to do. You've made up your mind that this is exactly how I want it, and if God doesn't do it this way, you know, no other way. We need to apply the test of reasoning. Um, Luke 14, 28. Yes, Luke 14, 28. It says, you know, if any one of you, for which one of you intending to build a tower, this is Jesus Christ speaking, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. So, you know, you can pray. We, we said last week that there's a place for prayer. But prayer will not take the place of planning. So you pray, but you also plan. You sit down to think, right? Um, faith is not denying the reality. But without sitting down and doing your proper plan, putting pen you know, on paper, right? I mean, pen on paper is figurative, right? You know, you can use your iPad or whatever it is. Um, you used to take notes and plan. But you need to do that. So it, it tells you if you have enough. So you know what to believe God for. Because without that, you don't even know what to believe God for. So we need to apply the test of reason. Isaiah 1.18 confirms and validates the fact that God actually wants us to engage our mind. He says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And finally, last week, we looked at number four, which was the test of light. The test of light. Be careful of so-called prophecies, new revelation, right? that go against the clear meaning of scripture. Anything you hear, any prophecy, somebody comes to you and tells you, oh, I have a specific, unique revelation from God, I'm nobody else, you won't hear this from anywhere else. You need to be very careful, right? Because there's no such thing as you know, new prophecy or new revelation. We are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will never tell you or lead you in a way that will go contrary to the written word of God. All right? And we said, you know, you, sh you and I should not be looking for prophecies. We should not be looking for prophets. We should focus on seeking God, seeking God in the place of prayer, seeking God by reading our Bible. Why? Because Psalm 119 verse 105, if I can have that in TPT, please, thank you. It says, truth's shining light. Thank you. Truth's shining light guides me, talking about the word of God, in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. The primary way God guides us right now is through the word of God. So you need to get into the habit of having certain time aside to read your Bible because that's one of the primary ways that God will speak to you. So things like, you know, we mentioned last, last, last week, you know, things like, um, you know, dinghy horoscope reading, you know, zodiac signs, um, you know, reading your palm and all that. Like, you know, God does not want that. That is not, you know, that should not even be mentioned 
or that should not even be something that a child of God is engaging in. Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 to, 10 to 13, you know, tells us, it says, for example, never sacrifice your son or daughter. I'm reading a new living translation. Deuteronomy 18, 10 to 13. It says, for example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a bond offering. And do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spell or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. So the Bible is very clear when it comes to those things. And this is not to knock anybody, right? You know, this is what the Bible says, like when the spirit of truth comes, it will guide us into all truths. So this is the only spirit, if you've not heard of you know, everything I've mentioned, don't Google it, you have nothing to worry about, just forget it. None of it is beneficial to you. But if you've done it in time past, just cut yourself and separate yourself from that. Now you know the truth. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? So engaging in all those things, you're actually opening yourself up to the spirit of deception. You will not be deceived in the mighty name of Jesus. So, don't excuse what you know to be unscriptural. Don't say, oh, you know, a friend of mine is doing it and, you know, he's very spiritual. He goes to church a lot. Or, you know, one man of God on, on the internet, on social media is doing it. Um, so I'm going to, if it's not what the Bible teaches, don't excuse it away. The word of God is final. Right? Isaiah 8.20, New King James one says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak, it doesn't matter who the day is, right? If they don't speak according to this word, the word of God, it is because there is no light in them. There is no truth in them. New Living Translation says, Look to God's instruction and teachings. That is our only standard. Whoever it is that you're listening to, you're following, you only follow them as much as they follow God. Once whatever it is they're telling you to do or what they're doing themselves does not align with what the Bible teaches, then it is time to put it aside, put them aside. Since people who contradict his word are completely in the dark. You and I don't want to be in the dark and you will not be in the dark in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, we'll move to number... Number what? Yes, you're paying attention. Number five. So, let's um, bow our heads and say a quick word of prayer um, as we get into today's um, word. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be alive today. Thank you for preserving our lives. Thank you for visiting each and every one of us to wake us up this morning. Holy Spirit, we have come to meet with you. We have not come to meet with any man. Lord, we ask that you will speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Spirit of truth, we ask that you will guide us into all truth in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, oh God, by the entrance of your word today, let there be light in the mighty name of Jesus. And let your word, let the light of your word set us free from every deception of the enemy in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So number five, test of motive. So you've heard people say, oh, you know, why is he doing that? I feel like, you know, he has a motive behind it. I don't trust him. I don't trust her. Well, having a motive is not a bad thing. Right? Everyone has a motive. Everyone has a motive. Motives can be pure or impure. But everyone has a motive. So having a motive is not a bad thing. Even Jesus, when he was here physically on earth, had a motive. There's absolutely nothing wrong in having a motive. Your motive is simply the reason behind the actions that you're taking. So the reason why you're doing something, that is your motive, right? Just simply put. God himself has a motive. He has a motive for creating man. Genesis 1.26 tells us his motive, right? It says, then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man for us. 
you know, to be in his likeness as God is in heaven. He wants us to rule and have dominion here on earth. And man lost that dominion in Genesis chapter 3, right? Um, you know, devil came, deceived Adam and Eve, right? And they were separated from God. But God did not give up. God sent his son Jesus to die to redeem all of mankind and connect us back to him. But why did God do that? What is God's motive for doing that? We can see that in John, John 3.16 tells us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the motive is love. It says, for God so loved the world, right? And as a result, we see the action. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So motive is not a bad thing. I need to look at your neighbor and tell, tell, tell your neighbor, God loves me. God loves me. So God's motivation for you and I is planned for you and I. There are plans of good. There are plans of, of great and mighty things. All, you know, the Bible is filled with love letters written by God to you about his plans for you and I. So God's motives are pure, right? So where we need to be careful is we have impure motives. There are people around us, there are people that we will meet, there are people in our day-to-day -day lives that have motives that are not pure. Right? And impure motives can be one, they can be unethical, they can be illegal, and they can be ungodly. They can be all three of these things, but they can also fall into just one of the categories. So, if it matches any of this, if it's unethical, if it's illegal, if it's ungodly, then that motive is impure. So, let's take for example, you know, one that cuts across like all these three sections was, I think it was earlier in the, in the month, right? Um, I heard of, of a story of a nurse um, in Pennsylvania um, where she was arrested in connection um, for killing two of her patients. And while they were investigating, they connected her to 17 more. Right? So, she's a nurse. Killing is against the ethics of her prof prof profession, right? It's, it's, it's ungodly, and definitely it is illegal, right? That's just an example of, you know, motive that cuts across the three categories. But there are also things that are legal, you know, you know, wherever you are, right? You know, right here we're in Canada, we're in Ontario. There are things, like, there are some substances that are abused that are legal. So you can go into a store and buy it. But is it godly? Ignite Church, is it godly? <laughs> yeah? I'm glad you all agree on that. <laughs> I was scared for a second. Right? It's, it's, it's ungodly, but it is legal. So it's still an impure motive. Pure motives are usually selfless. They are transparent and they are primarily beneficial to other people, right? Impure motives are the opposite. Impure motives, you know, anybody you see with an impure motive, they are seeking after their own benefit. Primarily anything they do, any action they take is for their own benefit. But pure motives is selfless, transparent, primarily beneficial to others. We just looked at, you know, God's motive in creating man, in sending Jesus to die for us, right? It's very, you know, selfless, transparent. It's written in the Bible. Um, everyone can see it. And it is primarily beneficial to you and I. Once your motive is impure, you attract people with impure motives and become ripe for deception and dis destruction. So when you have an impure motive, you will attract what you are, right? Um, so you and I need to be very careful of our motives, right? If you're always out to deceive people, it's only a matter of time. You will meet somebody that is better at, uh, than you at deceiving people, right? That will deceive you. So you and I need to be very careful. You need to examine your motive. Why are you doing the things you do? And let's look at the example of Judas Iscariot, right? So in John chapter 12, verse um, 2 to 7, um, Judas Iscariot is a, a very interesting character, right, um, in, in the Bible. Because 
you know, sometimes we think like, why Judas, right? You know, couldn't Jesus have just, you know, done something about it um, to just make sure that, you know, it didn't, it didn't go through uh, with the betrayal? How come there was no redemption for Judas, you know, and all that? And, you know, this verse of scripture gives us, um, you know, explains it to us, you know, the reason why it had to be Judas. Jesus Christ did not mandate, it could have been anybody, right? But we'll see the reason. So this is after Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, right? So a dinner was prepared in honor of Jesus just to appreciate and show, you know, appreciation for what he did, right? Raising um, Lazarus from the dead. So uh, Mary and Martha put together this dinner and invited Jesus and his disciples, right? So verse two says, at the dinner, um, dinner was you know, prepared in Jesus' honor, Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her head. And the house was filled with fragrance, right? No, she was honoring Jesus. She was worshiping. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. You know, it's saying, like, you know, what a waste. Now, why, why are you wasting this perfume on Jesus? Right? He's saying, like, you know, it's, 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 it's not, like, this does not make sense. Why are you doing this? Like, this is what a year's wages is. Like, somebody, you know, saying, like, you, you took, you know, your entire salary for the year, and, you know, you gave it to Jesus. Like, why are you doing that? It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. So anyone reading this will be like, well, that makes sense, right? Very noble cause, right? You know, sell the perfume, the proceeds, then we'll go to the poor. But let's see what the Bible tells us. It says, he didn't make that statement because he cared. He didn't care for the poor. He was a thief. Right? And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he was the treasurer for Jesus' ministry. And the Bible tells us that he has been stinging funds for, me, for, for himself. So his plan was to sell it so that he can siphon the funds for his own benefit. See, impure motive, right? They, it's always selfish. So his motive here was not, you know, because he cared for the poor. So you and I need to be careful, you know, when we meet people and they're telling you, I have this proposal, I have this business plan, I have this thing that will benefit you. Oh, you just need to act now. Um, you just need to do this. I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart. You need to pray about it. You and I cannot afford to take anything at face value. You need the Holy Spirit to help you discern what exactly is the person's motive. So, let's see. So we can, we've established here that, you know, his motive here is impure, right? So he was upset that this happened. This woman broke um, the expensive jar of perfume, you know, in worship of Jesus. He didn't like that. So, let's see what happened after that. Matthew 26, from verse 1 to 4, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, I think this just jumped. Okay, verse 2. It says, as you know, Passover begins in two days, right? Jesus is just speaking to his disciples. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Notice he didn't say who is going to hand him over, right? Verse 3, it says, at the same time, the leading priests and elders were meeting at the residence of Sapphras, the high priest, plotting out to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. What did Judas do? Let's see, verse 14. Then Judas Iscariot, one of 12 disciples, went to the leading priest. They didn't recruit him. He went to them. Right? And what was the motivation again? Let's see. He asked, how much? Right? How much? What's in it for me? So, Again, you and I need to be very careful. If you have or you know anybody that it is always about money, right? They can't help you move a chair from here to there without negotiating how much it's going to cost, right? It is actually a very dangerous thing because the Bible tells us you cannot serve God and money at the same time. 
right? So his motivation there was, was the money. It was like, how much is, am I going to get from this? How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. Verse 16 says, from that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Verse 47, and even as Judas, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. So what did Judas do? The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Right? A kiss is a gesture of endearment. So it doesn't actually matter if, you know, the person around you, um, you know, greets you well, they treat you well, they are very nice, they can still have impure motive. You cannot take anything at face value. You need the spirit of truth. You need to apply the test. You need to apply the test of motive. Don't be in a hurry, and we'll get to that when, you know, when we examine the test of relationships. Don't be in a hurry because somebody is nice, because somebody, you know, um, somebody, you know, treats you well, or somebody does something nice for you, and then you just, you know, skip the vetting process and you take them from just meeting them one week and the next week, you know, they are your confidant. You're telling them everything about your life. That is a very dangerous thing for you and I to do. Right? Judas here was going, he, he was there from the beginning with Jesus. But it was the same person plotting how to capture him and hand him over for him to be crucified. So Jesus came straight to Jesus, says, greetings, Rabbi. See, very nice, warm greeting. He exclaimed and gave him the kiss. But let's see, how did he end up? He destroyed himself without enjoying a single cent. I mean, it's not cents, but let's, you know, for the, for the sake of um, this conversation, he didn't enjoy any part of the money. So, they took Jesus, then, you know, he betrayed Jesus and he realized that, you know, Jesus had been condemned to die. So, he was filled with remorse. But this remorse here is still, you know, born out of pride. And I will tell you the difference between, because Peter also denied Jesus right? But one person experienced godly sorrow. What Judas experienced here was not godly sorrow. Because he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders and he told them, I've sinned, he declared for I have betrayed an innocent man what do we care? That was their response, like that's your business, that is your problem, go deal with it. And what did he do? He threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. Right? So at any time, you know, he had close proximity to Jesus. At any time, he could have approached Jesus to say, hey, what happened at dinner the other day? You know, I don't like it. Or even come out to say, oh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling financially. You know, um, you know this, this is where I am. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? No. So our motives are very, very important. The reason why we do what we do, because you know, everyone else can celebrate you for what you do. Oh yeah, you know, um, he's always in church, he's the first person in, in, last person out, he's great, he's this, he's that. Like, human beings, we don't see what the real reason behind what you do, but God actually examines motives, right? And you and I should also examine our motives because not everything we do is accept, acceptable to God. The fact that you're serving, or you're in church, right, performing an activity does not mean it is acceptable. If the motive for doing it is wrong, then God will not accept it. It's not obligated to accept anything. You can present anything you want to him, but he will not accept just anything. He cares just as much about the motive as he cares about the action. So what are you doing? Why are you doing it? So, the question you need to ask yourself, why do I want what I want, right? I can't wait to be a CEO, I can't wait to be a director, so I can boss everybody around, right? I won't have to do anything again, you know, I just tell this one, oh, make, make that PowerPoint for me, oh, you, cup of coffee, oh, you, um, take my car, you know, go and fix it, right? You're not thinking about how to provide any value, right? All you're thinking about is the benefit. 
Why do you want what you want? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? You and I need to ask and start with why. Start with why. Because God actually is interested. God is interested in the reason why. Proverbs 16 verse 2. Please, it says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but God examines their motive. So your motive, my motive does not, you know, you can't hide it from God. God actually sees. And that's why you and I need the spirit of truth, the only spirit, to help us. Because in our human interaction, we need the only spirit to tell you. So when a guy comes around and tells you, oh, you know, you are the best thing that's happened to me since sliced bread. You know, I love you. You know, um, I can't live without you. I just want to marry you tomorrow. Right? And then, every time you go out, it's always hiding. Right? You know, you're either going to cinema in the dark. Right? When nobody will see you. Right? You know, you're only watching movies that start at 10.30 p.m. Right? You need... Um, I think it was a Pastor Corinne that said a couple of weeks back, like, you need to engage, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, this guy that I've met, Lord, review what is the plan, like, what, what is it like? Picking like a banana, that's what she said, right? Like, the Holy Spirit can help you, right? Can help you and actually expose things to you and, and, and let you know that, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's married like five times. Right? So, that's, you can't take things, you can't get carried away, especially, you know, when it comes to relationship and the person you spend the rest of your life with. You need to apply the test of motive. Why is this person talking to me? Of all the girls, say, for example, somebody approaches you like, let's say, Ignite Church, for example, right? Why me? Why was it me you came to, right? Ask the questions, apply the test. You will not fall prey to the deception of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, if you love immediate gain, you are set up for perpetual pain. So, this happens, you know, to people where, you know, you, you want to bypass the process. You just want to go from, you know, what took somebody five years to get, you're like, oh yeah, you know, I just want to get it in like five days. Even things as easy as, I heard of a story last year where you know, somebody wanted to get um, iPhone, I think it was iPhone 14, hey, was it 14? Um, and instead of going through like the, the trusted stores you know, to buy their phone, they went online, saw somebody that was selling it for 50% off, right? They went, gave the person the money, got the phone, got home, was setting it up, and on an iPhone, they got prompted to set up um, Google uh, Play Store. Right? So, shortcuts leads to pain. If you love immediate gain, you are set up for perpetual pain. Right? You know, invest, sit down with a financial planner, invest your money in tested and trusted systems. Don't go and, you know, focus on someone that tells you, oh, yeah, you just, you know, bring everything you have, your life savings, I will double it, like, within two days. Such a person is set up for perpetual pain. Number six, test of relationships. Test of relationships. Our choice of relationships determines our path in life. Our choice of relationships determines our path in life. So, the greatest pain we will suffer and the greatest joy we will experience is dependent on how well we undo our relationships, right? From, you know, the case of uh, um, Judas and Jesus that we just read. Perfect example. It's, it's you know, the, the person that he has been going out, you know, going out, coming in with, eating with, dining with, is being in his ministry from day one, right? It's that same person that ended up betray, betraying him. So we need to learn how to apply the test of relationship. Understand you know, the relationships in your life. Understand, you know, how to prioritize them. Not all relationships are the same, right? You know, there are people in your life that, you know, maybe they are here for a reason. They are friends with you for a reason. They are friends with you because of what they can get from you. They are friends with you because of, you know, what, uh, 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 um, what your influence can do for them, right? So you need to understand the relationship that you have for a season. Right? Once that season is done, then it's time for you to move on. And you need to understand that relationships, some relationships are relationships of destiny. 
Because are very important. When God wants to elevate a man and change your level, right, um, he uses relationships. The people you associate with actually matters. Right? Perfect, you know, uh, uh, um, um, example was Abraham. Right? When Abraham left, God told him, like, you know, not to go with anybody. But he took his nephew. And as a result, the Bible recorded that he became very rich. They both became rich because of the association. So who you associate with actually matters. Our choice of relationship determines the paths and how you will end up. And our choice of relationship reflects what you value. So you can't say, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, um, outside of church I have like a set of friends, we just go to the club, I don't drink, um, I just, you know, like the vibe. It's just a matter of time. Before you know it, you know, there's weed on the right hand, there's cigarette on the left hand, right? Like smoke is puffing out everywhere. It's, 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 not, it's not possible for you. So again, I, I mentioned relationships for a season. Um, when I first came to Canada, like, there was you know, somebody that helped me out in terms of you know, helping like, get settled and all that. Um, he's not a Christian, but he was very helpful. And any time I think back, you know, you know, many, many, 2014 when I came in and all that, I'm always thanking God for him. I call him, I thank him every time. But we are not close friends. We cannot be close friends. Why? Because if we talk for 10 minutes, nine and a half minutes is about girls, right? Like, it, it, it's not possible, right? That cannot be the kind of, you know, association that you keep. And you say, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Because the Bible tells us, right, don't be deceived, right? Evil communication will corrupt good manners. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Maybe next week, but you know, there, 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 there are consequences. There are things that people go through and they don't even understand. It's because of who they've joked themselves with. It's because of you know, the, the relationship they've gotten into. 1 Corinthians um, 15, 33, says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Again, it's only a matter of time. You keep hanging out with them, you will succumb. Like You will, you will give in at, at, at some point or the other. So just avoid it. Recalibrate those relationships, right? Um, you know, they, they served, you know, they've been good to you, but you should not miss out on your own destiny just because you don't want them to feel bad. Right? You have to be very, very clinical. If the relationship does not align with your values, it is time to let it go. Don't be sentimental about it. Be careful of people that want to take the reward of your person without investing in a relationship with you. So everyone here, we're global leaders, we're going places. Be very careful of people like, you know, when, you know, you've achieved something, you're at a level, maybe they didn't expect you to get to, and now they need your help. But now, instead of recognizing and honoring the sacrifice that you've paid, they try to, you know, they use words and say things and take you back. They, they, they always try to bring you down to that level, so you know, they say things like, oh, do you remember that time? You know, this, uh, you've become director now, do you remember that time that you, know, you didn't have any shirts, that you used to borrow my, my, my shirt to go for interviews, right? Like, what, what has that got to do with anything? Be careful of such people. All they want is how you, know, you can help them do their resume. Anytime they call, it's because they want something. You need to, again, understand how to recalibrate those relationships. Not all relationships in your life should be at the same level, should have the same priority. And God will give you the wisdom, the Holy Spirit will give you the wisdom to prioritize your relationships in Jesus' name. So, we'll continue next week. Um, it's time for us to pray. Let's rise to our feet. Yep, if you're clapping, clap for Jesus. Just take a moment to just thank the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word you heard today. Just thank him, um, you know, for speaking to us about the test of motive and the test of relationships. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. There is none like you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that you have sent to us today. Thank you, O oh God, for 
helping us, for laying it bare to us how to apply the test of motive, oh God. Lord, you are the one. You examine the motives of man. Lord, thank you, Heavenly Father, for helping us, oh God, Heavenly Father, to know that we can trust you. We can trust you to help us discern the motives so that we don't get into deception. We give you all the glory. Thank you, oh God, Heavenly Father, for, you know, the test of relationships. Thank you, oh God, because we can rely on you. Thank you because you are there to guide us into all truth regarding the relationships in our lives. We give you all the praise forevermore. For in Jesus' mighty name, we're afraid. Amen. We're going to take one prayer point in a bit, but I want to give somebody an opportunity. You're here. You have not given your life to Christ. As we said, John 3, 16, God loves you, right? He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, made, he took the first step, right? He wants that relationship with you. All you have to do, to do today, say a quick word of prayer, 30 minutes with me, and that's it. You're saved. You will be brought into the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit will be your personal your, your personal uh, uh, um, your, your, your personal counselor. The Holy Spirit will be your guide, right? He wants to guide you. Things that you've done before that did not work out. Things that you know, you've gone from pillar to post, you're frustrated. But God did not create you to do life alone, right? The Bible says it is to your advantage. Jesus Christ speaking, he says it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go, you know, the Holy Spirit would not be able to come. So God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us do life. So you are here, you're frustrated, you don't know what to do, you've come to the end of the ropes, you don't even, you know, you didn't feel like coming to church today, but somebody invited you or you, know, you just, you know, stumbled on this broadcast. I want to say a word of prayer with you. If you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, I want to experience a change in my life, just put your hand on your chest. We're going to support you. This is a very important decision that we've all made at one point or the other in our lives. Um, and Ignite Church, let's say this prayer. Um, with our brothers and sisters making this critical decision today. Um, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. On the third day, he rose again. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Give me the grace to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Congratulations if you said that prayer. Yes, let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate them. Great decision that you have made today. You will not regret it. You will remember today, November 19th, for the rest of your life as the day everything turned around for your favor and for your good in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, if you're here, just you know, raise your hand, let one of the ushers see you so they can put a package in your hands to help you get started in this journey. It's free of charge, no commitment, no obligation um, you know, expected from you. If you're watching online, um, click the link um, uh, in the chat. Uh, we'll send you a form. Complete the form. We'll send you the package wherever you are in the world, free of charge, no commitment, no obligation expected from you. And God bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been taking the same you know, prayer point for the past four weeks, right? And it's you know, from Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit here is the spirit of truth. So we're going to ask, Lord, fill me with the spirit of truth again, right? We, you and I cannot afford to go through life without the spirit of truth helping us, guiding us into all truth. We've, you know, we've explored all the different ways that the enemy wants to deceive us, right? Um, by hiding his motive, you know, by bringing relationships that can destroy us. You no, know, we want to ask that the Holy Spirit will fill us, will fill us, that we'll be able to discern, we'll be able to apply this test in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray. Say, Father, fill me again with your spirit of truth. Fill me again with your spirit of truth. I don't want to be deceived. Your spirit of truth that guarantees, oh God, that I I will not be susceptible. I will not fall prey to the deception of Satan. Your spirit of truth that would guarantee that my life will not be truncated. My destiny will not be truncated. Lord, fill me with your spirit of truth. I don't want to do life guessing. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my destiny. Lord, help me. I don't want to fall prey to the deception of the enemy. Help me, oh God, 
God to apply this test. Help me, oh God, fill me with the spirit of truth so that I will be able to discern, oh God, the motives, the motives of people around me, the motives, oh God, for, 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 for why, oh God, these opportunities that I'm seeing are coming my way. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to take a wrong step in destiny. Lord, help me, oh God. Help me. Fill me with the spirit of truth. I need the spirit of truth. It is not a nice to have. I cannot do life without it. This life is filled with half-truth, with conspiracy theories, with the deception of the enemy. I don't want to become a victim. Lord, fill me, oh God. Fill me again with your spirit of truth. In the mighty name of Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, O oh God, for teaching us, O oh God. Thank you for the light, O oh God, that you've brought into our hearts, God, concerning the test of motive and the test of relationships. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that the grace, the grace, O oh God, to consciously engage the spirit of truth in every matter, O oh God, pertaining to people's motives, pertaining to relationships that we're getting into, or our current relationships, Lord, we receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, the grace, oh God, to have the, 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 the mental strength to recalibrate our relationships. The grace, oh God, to have the mental fortitude to take the decisions that needs to be taken for us to break free from every deception. We receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for anyone, oh God, watching or here in person that is already in one form of deception or the other. Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. The hold of the enemy is broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, oh God, let there be light in that person's life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, as we go, we pray that your presence, oh God, will go with us. This week, oh God, we pray that we will come back with testimonies. God, things will happen in our lives. Testimonies will happen in our lives. Supernatural happenings, oh God, will, happen, will, will, will occur in our lives, oh God. Fast after, you know, miracles after miracles, you know, testimonies after testimonies in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, by the time we come back next week, Lord, we will have the full cause to give glory and honor to your name. Blessed be your name, Heavenly Father, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a shout.